0: And so, uh, we're so glad about uh, all that God's doing in the life of the church. Uh, you may have noticed uh, coming in, there's a very large new platform that's built there in the back of the room. I just want to say a thank you to Steve Malus uh, this morning for coming this week and, and building that for us. Well, thank you so much, Steve. For, he's just done so much to serve the church in the last year. It has been a tremendous, tremendous blessing to us, and uh, the reason we did that, just to kind of share the heart with you a little bit, is uh, our heart is that people that are farthest from God would have the best seat to hear the gospel, and so we wanted to make sure we got that camera at a spot where uh, where it would uh, be able to see the message and hear it clearly and be able to see the scriptures on the screen, uh, rather than being lower like it was and just looking at the back of some of your heads on Sunday morning, and so... How's that looking back there? Are we alright? No? Yes? Okay. Well listen, we're going to get right into the word this morning and I want to invite you to open your Bibles with me to the book of Ephesians chapter 6 for the second week in a row here because we are in week 2 of a series called The Struggle is Real. How many of you have had some real struggles this week? I'm not going to ask you to tell your story, but you could testify. You know the struggle is real. Absolutely. I I saw Sister Jenny raise her hand. We were in the hospital together yesterday praying for Gary, her husband. And we appreciate you joining us in praying for Gary. I know this week for him the struggle's been very real. When you find yourself on your back in a hospital room, the struggle is real. Uh, and so many others of you could testify that, that you've been in difficult situations. The understanding that I want to bring in this sermon series is not that every bad thing that happens to you is a, a plan of the devil. But I do want you to understand what Paul emphasized to the church at Ephesus. And that is that there is... A spiritual battle that's taking place all around us. And we're going to read this text together. And as we read this and as we dive into this uh, second week in the series, I want to just encourage you to know that in the spirit realm there is a struggle. It is real. And the good news is we can win that battle. Amen? Amen. Look with me in Ephesians chapter 6. And we're going to read verse 12 and 13. Paul writes, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, he says, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, he says. There's a a battle that's going on. And God has given us the ability by His Spirit and through the armor of God to stand in the battle. Last week, we began by sharing one of the strategies that Satan uses to come against the church. It's a strategy of division. He wants to do it corporately in a, in a church family like this. And he wants to do it individually in your heart and in your life. He wants to bring division because he knows a heart that is divided. A heart that is not whole and full of integrity and soundness in Christ is a heart that he can get an inroad into. So one of his strategies is to bring division into our lives. What I want to do today is I want to just expose another tactic of the enemy. I want to show you some ways that Satan is scheming against the people of God. And and at some point, undoubtedly in this message, you're going to begin to either physically or in your heart, nod your head or, or say amen or confirm, because you and I know, if you've served God for any length of time, you know that we have an adversary who comes against us. And he's scheming. And I want to tell you, one of his tactics that he's using against the church today is that he is a denouncer. He's a denouncer. Now, the dictionary defines someone that denounces someone as this, to pronounce, especially publicly, to be blameworthy or evil. If you want a good illustration of what it means to denounce somebody, just turn on the evening news and watch our politicians. They publicly blame one another. They denounce each other. And here's what the Bible says about the devil. In Revelations chapter 12 and verse 10, it tells us that he, Satan, is the accuser of the brethren. He's accusing brothers and sisters in Christ. And the Bible says in that verse, he does it day and night. He's accusing you right now in the heavenly realms. The enemy, Satan, he is standing before God in heaven's courtroom and he is denouncing you. He's speaking about who you are. But here's what I want you to know this morning. When Satan denounces you, when he stands before God, he speaks the truth. When he stands before us, he lies. Now let me explain what I mean by that. When I say when Satan stands before God, he speaks the truth. The reason I say that is because he doesn't have to tell a lie for us to be found guilty in the presence of a holy and a perfect and a blameless God. The reality is the Bible says in in Romans that all of us have sinned and all of us fall short of God's glory None of us measure up to his standard. So Satan doesn't come uh, to God and have to conjure up any deceptions about us. All he has to do is say the truth about who we really are. And you know it, and, and I know it, and in our heart of hearts, we know that we are not perfect, we are not guiltless, and the Bible communicates that because we have sin in our heart, we deserve the judgment of God. So... When Satan stands before God, he just tells the truth about us. He reminds God of who you are. If not in your actions, in your thoughts. He reminds God of who you used to be. Because the Bible says, Jesus said, if you've, if you've broken one of the commandments, it's like you've broken them all. And so he goes back and he looks at all the things you've ever done. But when he stands before us, he lies. And the reason that Satan lies to us is he will come as the accuser of the brethren. He will denounce the grace of God that's been applied to your life. Satan wants to come to you and he'll say things like, "You, you shouldn't be in this church this morning. Who do you think you are? Lifting your hands. He'll come, to, "I saw what you did. I know who you are. I know about your past. Who do you think you are to stand here and worship God? To, what makes you think that God wants to receive anything from you today? And he comes and he accuses us and he denounces and discredits the grace of God in our lives. He comes at us with his lies. And those, those fiery darts of accusation that he throws right back in our face. And you've experienced before what it feels like to to try to pick yourself up by your faith and to move into God's presence only to have some thought, some accusation from the enemy come back and and war against your mind. Satan, it's like he he takes an old box out of the closet that's got all of the video footage of your past. And just when you start to feel like you're getting a victory, like you're starting to get somewhere, that you're starting to grow in your faith, that you're starting to tap into the presence of God, he pops in one of those old tapes and he projects on the canvas of your mind everything you ever did. Come on, am I the only one this has happened to? Everything you've ever done. He shows you the old footage and he lies to you about your standing with God. I want to tell you something, and this is the place where this becomes a real battle for the child of God. Because Satan throws all that stuff back in your chest, but it penetrates. And it goes right to the heart of who we really are. It goes to the heart of where we find our identity and who we think we are in the eyes of God. So there's something that we have to do. There's something that God has enabled us to do. To keep those fiery darts from, from penetrating our hearts and Changing our perspective on who we are in Christ. We have to armor up today. We have to put on the breastplate of righteousness. That's what Paul talks about here in Ephesians chapter 6. He talks about a breastplate of righteousness that God has given to us. Here's the reality. Every one of us are, are guilty before God. There's no doubt that you are guilty, that that I am guilty for the person that might be here today that, that hangs their hope of eternity on the statement that says, well, I'm a good person. I want to tell you that is a weak defense in the courtroom of heaven. That is a weak defense. The hope for the church is not that we can, that we can pick ourselves up and muster enough courage to, to try to be a better person. The hope of the church is this, that though I'm guilty, though I deserve punishment, Jesus paid my debt. That's the hope of the church. That when Jesus was hung on a post at Calvary, he posted bail for my sin. That I'm free today. That's the hope that we have. And so, when the enemy comes with his accusations, he wants to cause us to to doubt and to second guess our standing with God. We've got to put on this breastplate of righteousness. We've got to put it on. Let's look at the scripture together in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 14. Here's what it says. Stand firm then with the belt of truth, buckled around your waist. We talked about that last weekend. And then he says, stand firm with the breastplate of righteousness in place. Now, I mentioned last week, but as Paul's writing this, it's very Probable that he's looking at a Roman soldier. He wrote this epistle while in prison. He was incarcerated. And if you look at the uniform of the Roman soldier. And you look at this breastplate that they would wear. It was literally a coat of mail. That they would put on. That would cover them from the neck down to the thighs. In the front and the back. It would protect their vital organs from being penetrated in battle. The Bible says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. Many of you could quote this verse. But it says, therefore, if anyone be in Christ Jesus, the new creation has come and the old is gone. The new is here. Now let me tell you what that verse is. That verse right there is a robe of righteousness. When the enemy comes and he wants to denounce and discredit your standing with God, that's a verse that reminds us of who we are. That's a verse that you can cover your heart with. When Satan tries to remind you of your past, remind you of your failures, put on the breastplate of righteousness. Let me give you another verse to to help us out. It's in Romans chapter 3, in verse 22 I love this verse because it, it tells us two things. It tells us who gets a breastplate and how we get it. Listen to this verse, Romans 3, 22. The righteousness is given through faith. That's how you get it, by faith today. You don't earn it. You don't take a class for it. You don't put in your time doing good deeds. It's by faith that you receive this righteousness in Christ Jesus to all who believe. Whether Jew or Gentile, whether you've been in the church your whole life or whether today's your first day, by faith in Jesus Christ, everyone who believes receives this righteousness from God. And not only does it give us right standing with God, I want you to see today that it's a it's a weapon. It's armor to protect you in the struggle against the enemy. Satan wants to come against you. He wants to throw your past in your face. But the breastplate of righteousness says what Isaiah 1.18 says, Though your sins be as scarlet, he has made them whiter than snow. Amen? That's a breastplate that you can put on when the enemy wants to fling mud and talk about how filthy you are. You say, though my sins be like scarlet, he has washed them whiter than snow. When Satan schemes to try to remind you of your past and to discredit you and disqualify you from being used by God in some capacity, the breastplate of righteousness says what Isaiah forty three twenty five says. The Lord said, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions. For my own sake, I remember your sins no more. That's a breastplate you can put on when the enemy wants to bring your past back into the forefront of your mind. Say, no, 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 I I remember it and I know you remember it, devil. But the good news is I've got a God in heaven who said, I remember your sins no more. A God who said, I've cast them as far as the east is from the west. A God who says, if you're in Christ, you're a new creation and the old things are gone. Is anybody thankful for the breastplate of righteousness in your life today? Amen. Amen. God wants you to armor up. God wants you to put it on to protect you against the schemes of the evil one because he comes to denounce you. That's his M.O. He wants to be your accuser. And if we don't protect our hearts with this breastplate of righteousness. And if we don't remember everything that God has said we are by faith. Whether we feel that way or not. If we don't hold on to his promises. Then we're going to give the enemy an inroad. And a foothold in our lives. Satan wants to denounce you today. And he does it in three different ways. One of the ways that he does it is through other people. Now don't raise your hand and certainly don't point at them, but how many of you know that God will use other people to accuse you? Sometimes even people that would say they love you have always reminded you of your shortcomings and your failures and it's like an accusation that the enemy uses that you'll just never measure up. Sometimes the enemy will use circumstances to accuse you. It's what you're going through. It's what you dealt with this week. It was sitting in the hospital yesterday with Brother Gary. And and just the reality, he was dealing with a sickness. The enemy wants to use something like that to accuse you. To tell you, you don't have enough faith to be healed. Sometimes, and maybe more often times, for a lot of us, the battlefield takes place between our own ears. Because the voice that accuses us is our own. And by self-condemnation and self-deprecation, the enemy will just... Pile on every negative thought we have about who we are, what we can do, what God says is ours. The enemy just comes to accuse us in our hearts and in our lives. Did you ever notice, just think, just for a minute, think about all the people in Scripture that God used in a powerful way. That the enemy brought accusation against through other people. I mean, Moses was accused of being a dictator, Nehemiah, when he was trying to rebuild the walls, the people were saying against him, he's trying to be a king, trying to make a name for himself. He doesn't have right motives. David had to dodge a few spears a time or two because of false accusation that people brought against him. The apostle Paul, everywhere he went, he was defending his credibility. He was defending his ministry. Why? Because of false accusation, because of what other people were saying about him. The enemy is the accuser of the brethren. Even Jesus wasn't exempt. The Bible says people accused him of being a drunkard. They accused him of being a, a reveler. In fact, there were a time when people accused Jesus of being possessed of the devil. And the reason he was hung on the cross is because two false witnesses came and brought accusations against him. It is the M.O. of the enemy To bring accusation against the church. And he brings it against each and every one of us. Some of you have let the enemy bombard you in your life. With accusations from other people. You've let what they've said define who you are. Today you need to put on a robe of righteousness. So that those things don't penetrate your heart anymore. Others of you, you've been accused by your circumstances. Satan wants you to believe today that what you're going through, you're going through because God is mad at you. Or worse, he doesn't even care about you. The enemy wants you to believe in the midst of your struggle that God is a God who is aloof and unattentive. That he doesn't care. He comes at us in our circumstances with the same, with the same rationale that Job's friends came to him with. You remember when Job's friends came to him and he was sick and he, he was dealing with uh, all kinds of catastrophe in his life. And his friends said, look, the circumstances are evidence. You have infuriated God. He must be mad at you. If he wasn't mad at you, this wouldn't be happening in your life. And, and Job like we often are, was tempted to doubt the faithfulness and the love of God because of what he was experiencing, because of what he was going through. Satan wants to use your experiences to cause you to doubt the love of God. Even though Jesus has promised in his word, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. The enemy wants you to say, God is not here. If he was, you wouldn't feel that way. Yeah, the Bible says in one of my favorite Psalms. Psalm 34 18. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted, And he saves those who are crushed in spirit. He's close. He's right here today. But that's not what the enemy wants you to understand. He wants to penetrate your heart. And to begin to develop a new self identity. Based on the circumstances that you're going through. For some of us. It's the war that takes place in our own minds. It's the accusations that we speak against ourselves. Some of you in this room today, I, I know, I know, I just know human tendency, whether I know your story or not. In a room this size, there are people here that God has set free from sin. There are people here that you have come to the altar. You've given your life to Christ. You gave your past, your addiction, your hurt, your pain, your brokenness. You gave it over to Christ and He forgave you and He set you free. But today, today you are losing the battle in your mind. Positionally, the Bible says you are seated at the right hand of God. You are robed in righteousness. You are a child of the Most High God. But if you were honest today, you'd say, I don't feel that way. I don't feel that way. I feel discouraged. I feel unworthy. I feel defeated today. Why? Because the accuser of the brethren is warring in your heart and in your mind. And you keep hearing those accusations. Satan is scheming today to denounce your identity in Christ. Whether it's through circumstances, through other people, or through yourself. The reality is, we have a weapon. We have a weapon of defense. And it's the breastplate of righteousness. Can I show you how to put it on today? If you have your Bible, open up to Romans chapter 8 for just a moment. Romans chapter 8. And I just want to read to you from verse 33 through 39. I want you to put your eyes on this. Maybe you even need to put a bookmark there. Because when the enemy comes to denounce your identity in Christ. You need to armor up with the breastplate of righteousness. So we go to the word of God in verse 33 of Romans 8 says. Who will bring any charge against those whom God. Has chosen. It is God who justifies. Who then is the one that condemns? No one. Can we say that together? No one. Christ Jesus, who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding. For us. Can you get this picture in your mind? If what Revelation 12.10 says is true. That Satan is the accuser of the brethren. And that he stands before the throne of God. Making accusation about you. Day and night. Can I tell you Romans 8 is also true. That on the other side of heaven's courtroom. You have a defense attorney. Who stands and the Bible says he ever lives. To make intercession for you. Jesus stands on your behalf today. Before the throne of God. Verse 35 goes on to say. Who shall separate us. From the love of Christ. Shall trouble. Or hardship. Or persecution. Or famine. Or nakedness. Or danger. Or sword. As it is written. For your sake. We face death. All day long. We are considered. As sheep. To be slaughtered. No. Verse 37 says. No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. Come on, let this word penetrate into your heart today. Look at verse 38. Paul goes on to write, For I am convinced, you ought to say the same thing this morning. I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Satan is scheming to denounce your identity in Christ. But I want to tell you today, God has given you armor. You are properly equipped to do what 1 Timothy 1 says, to wage a good warfare. So we've got to put on God's word, who God says we are. We're robed in his righteousness today. Let me tell you one more scheme that the enemy wants to use against your life. Not only is he a denouncer, but another tactic he uses is to bring destruction. Satan is a destroyer. The Bible communicates to us in John 10, 10, that the thief comes for these reasons, to steal, kill, and to destroy. But Jesus said, I have come so that you may have life and that you may have it to the full. So here's the tactic of the enemy. He wants to launch a fiery dart of destruction in your life. The good news is that God has equipped us with a piece of armor to defeat the enemy. Look at verse 15 now in Ephesians 6 still. As we move down through this list of the armor. Paul writes to the church in verse 15. To stand firm then with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Let me talk to you about this readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. As Paul's looking at the soldier he sees these sandals that are strapped tightly to his feet. And on the bottom they have hobnails or, or little bits of rock that are in the soles. It's almost like a, a, an old metal golf shoe. that they're, they're designed in such a way as to give that soldier traction. To give him a good footing. To give him a, a firm foundation that he can go to battle with. And this, this shoe that the soldier is wearing, that Paul is describing, it's a picture for us. It's a word picture of, in the Greek of preparation. To to be prepared, to be steadied, to be ready. It means to have a firm footing. In other words, if we read the text, we could say it like this. The firm footing that we have to withstand the schemes of the evil comes from the peace that we receive In the gospel. Can I tell you today. God. Wants you to have peace. In the battle. He wants you to have peace. Peace is not the absence of conflict. God wants you to have peace. In the middle of the battle. And the peace that we have. Comes from the gospel. That's why Satan hates the message of the gospel. Satan hates the gospel. Because the gospel brings us. Our salvation and his damnation. Peace for us is found in the gospel. Here's the works of the enemy. And many, again, all over this room, you could testify. The works of the enemy is to get you to spend your life, your energy, your resources. Toiling and striving to find something that will give you peace. Some counterfeit anything but the gospel. For some, it's wealth and riches. For others, it's, it's happiness through popular opinion. For some, it's, it's found in promiscuity. For others, maybe it's just getting lost in a hobby. But anything that can give you a counterfeit offer of peace that you're willing to buy into and pursue with your whole heart. We've all heard stories, seen them on the news of Multi-millionaires. The Hollywood A-listers. People that from the outside perspective looked like they had it all together. Looked like they had everything anybody could ever want. Only to wake up one day and see the headline that they took their life. By shoving a fistful of pills down their throat or, or injecting something into their veins or drinking themselves drunk why because they they pursued a counterfeit offer of peace they spent all that they had climbing the ladder of success to get to the top and realize the ladder was leaning against the wrong building this is the scheme of the enemy to try to get you to pursue a peace that isn't found in the gospel every night People are clocking out of work and parking on a bar stool, chasing peace in the bottom of a bottle. They're not going to find it. It's not there. But it's a scheme of the enemy to just get us to seek a little more peace. Families are broken, marriages are destroyed. Because husbands and wives don't know how to find peace. Their their feet are not fitted with the readiness of the gospel. And so they go looking for answers, for peace, for a solace somewhere else. But they don't find it. And Satan knows this about me and he knows this about you. That he can get us to do almost anything in the hope of finding peace. If we believe the lie that we can get it somewhere other than the gospel. That's why he hates the gospel. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Let me share a verse with you that Paul wrote to the church in Corinthians. In chapter 15 verse 1 through 5. Paul talks about what this is that we've received. He says, now brothers and sisters. I want to remind you of the gospel that I preached to you. Which you received and on which you take your stand. By this gospel you're saved. If you hold firmly to the word that I preached to you. Otherwise you've believed in vain. Paul's saying you you received the gospel but you got to stand in it. This is the gospel in which you find your place to stand. And then he explains what the gospel is. And I want to be really clear on this today. What is this gospel? That gives us peace. He says in verse 3. For what I received I pass on to you. As of first importance. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried. That he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And that he appeared to Cephas and to the twelve. The death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's the gospel. That is our peace. When I think about the enemy coming and trying to destroy someone's life, I think about a raging storm coming against your life, whether it's through circumstances or or the accusation of others or, or your own internal conflict. But when the enemy comes to bring destruction, my mind goes to a raging storm and the parable that Jesus taught about the one who is wise, who hears the word of God and applies it to understanding. To not just hear the message, but to get your footing on what the word of God says. He says that person is like a wise builder. And the storm comes, but the house is not destroyed. See, the reason that a lot of Christians lose the spiritual battle is because they don't have to fight. The reason they don't fight well is because they don't, know how to stand. And it's so important that we understand how to to get our balance, how to have readiness that's anchored in the gospel of peace. See so the enemy is coming and it's not it's not if, it's when. Jesus said, "In this world you will have trouble." So it's not if, it's When he comes. And so the question for us is. When the enemy comes. When he attacks your life. When he comes to bring destruction. However he comes. In your family. In your finances. In your health. However he comes. When he comes. The question is. Will you be able to stand? That's what Paul says we're to do. Having done all. To stand. To stand your ground. And the way to do it is to be fitted, properly fitted with the gospel of peace, the readiness that comes. Paul was ready. The Bible says in Philippians chapter one, again, another prison epistle. Paul was not only locked in prison when he wrote Philippians, he didn't know if he was going to be executed or not. He said, it's very possible that I may die. But here's what I understand. Whether I live or whether I die, God's going to be glorified and the gospel is going to be advanced. Paul was so, so settled in his stance for warfare that even looking death in the face, he said, for me to live would be Christ because that's, that's, that's what I'm about. For me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. He was saying, "I, I, I can't lose. I'm fitted in the gospel of peace. I know how the story ends. I want to invite you today. I want to challenge you today. To open your eyes in the spirit realm. To the schemes of the devil. And see the counterfeit offer. That he's put on the table. For some form of peace in your life. And to recognize today. That there is no there is no peace. In the conflict. There is no peace in the battle. Outside of our feet being fitted with the readiness that comes through the gospel of peace. Jesus, He's our peace. Isaiah said He's wonderful. He's a counselor. He's the mighty God, but He also said He is the Prince of Peace. Isaiah 53 and verse 5 says that Jesus was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities and the chastisement That was upon him. Bought our peace. He brought us peace. When he went to the cross. So today I want to invite you to, to be armored. To be armored against the schemes of the enemy. Because the struggle is real. It's real and maybe you're here today and and you need to put on the breastplate of righteousness. Because the the way that the enemy has come against you is to denounce your identity in Christ. Maybe you're here today and and you don't have that confidence that says, I know who I am because I know whose I am. Maybe you're here today and you're struggling in, in moving forward in service to the Lord. You feel disqualified. When we talk about serving in the church, your hand never goes up. You never sign up because you you know who you used to be. And the enemy's holding that over your head. Or maybe today it's your circumstances. And you've believed the lie that you wouldn't be going through what you're going through if God didn't feel about you the way that He feels. And you're letting your circumstances be evidence of God's disappointment. You need to put on a robe of righteousness today. You need to begin to armor up and not let those false accusations from the enemy penetrate your heart and penetrate your life I, if that's you today i, I want to lead you in a prayer we're going to pray a prayer we're going to put on the robe of righteousness today we're going to armor up in jesus name in fact i want to put this verse on the screen it's found in second corinthians 5 verse 21 And if this is you today, and you've been struggling with that thing of identity, the accuser of the brethren has come against you. I want you to say this verse with me as a prayer. Second Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21. It says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That's a promise you can hold on to when the accuser comes against you. I want to ask you to do something. We did this last week, but right where you're at, I want all over this room. We're going to read this verse out loud together. We're going to read it and declare it by faith. Come on, say it with me. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Say this with me right now. Say, I am the righteousness of God. Come on, say this. I put on the breastplate of righteousness. The accusations of the enemy will not penetrate my armor. You got to put it on. And tomorrow morning when that lion devil comes back with his accusations you got to make sure you don't, you don't leave the house undressed and unprepared. Put on the armor of God. The Bible says this. What a promise. Isaiah 54 verse 7. You can hold on to this. The Bible says, no weapon formed against you will prevail. Some of you need to write this verse down. And you, it says, will refute every tongue that accuses you. Every tongue that accuses you, be it the voice in your own subconscious or the people in your life or the circumstances, we know who the root of it all is. He's the accuser of the brethren and no weapon formed against you will prevail. You will refute every tongue that accuses you this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And this is their vindication from me, says the Lord. This is your heritage. This is your legacy. This is what you're entitled to. No weapon formed against you will prosper. I want to pray for those of you today that may be struggling Not just with the accuser. But with the destroyer. Satan has come against you. To steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said as we read it earlier in John 10.10. I have come that they may have life. Satan wants to steal your peace. He wants to rob you. Of the sure footed foundation that we have in the gospel. Here's the reality. None of us. None of us are guaranteed tomorrow. It's very possible that someone here today may have already seen their last sunset. Nobody knows what tomorrow holds. You know, a week ago, Friday, I went and visited Sister Emma Hart in the hospital. She had just undergone quadruple bypass surgery. And as I'm talking to her in the hospital, she said, You know what the hardest thing was for me? You know what she told me the hardest thing was for her through all of that ordeal? She said it was setting the date. That thought that I could be setting the date for the last day of my life. No knowing that there were possibilities. That, that she could be setting the date for that surgery and at the same time determining that this is when it all ends. She said that was the hardest thing. Those are the moments where the accuser steps into the story. Those are the moments when the destroyer wants to get inside our hearts, our minds, and disrupt our faith. But she overcame those thoughts. You know how? The gospel of peace. The gospel of peace rather than entertaining those thoughts from the enemy, she began to believe again in the death, in the burial, and in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In the reality that though Satan may try to destroy the body, he can't touch the soul. And her eternity is already secure. And she's got a husband waiting for her that loves her on the other side, and so she can't lose. And all of a sudden, she began to get stable again. Her feet fitted with the gospel of peace. She won the warfare. That's what God wants for you. And I know it's unlikely that maybe you've, you've got an upcoming major surgery. But the reality is, if you're honest, some of you are in this place today and you don't have peace about your last day. You don't have peace about what would happen if you didn't wake up tomorrow. And maybe some of you are here. You've been pursuing a counterfeit of peace for a long time. You've been looking for something to satisfy your soul. Something to just. Settle you. You haven't found it. I'm going to tell you the enemy will do everything. To blind your eyes to this gospel. Could it? it is our sure-footedness, if that's you today and you say, I don't have peace, I need peace, I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you and I want to ask God to give you his peace so that you can be fitted and ready and prepared to wage a good warfare when the enemy comes in like a flood. The Spirit of God, the Bible says, raises up a standard against him. So if that's you today and you say, "I, I need peace right now, Right where you're sitting, would you just bow your head? I want to pray for you. Father, right now, I thank you that you're sending your spirit into our very hearts. That we sense your presence right now. God, I know that even as I prepared and prayed for this moment, you laid it heavy on my heart that there are many people who are anxious. And yet, Lord, your word says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything. With prayers and petitions. With thanksgiving. Make your request known to God. And the God of peace will control your hearts and minds. God, I know that's your desire today. As we pray. As we petition you. With a heart of thanksgiving for who you are and for the reality that the battle has already been won in the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord. God, today, it's your heart to give us your peace. God, let your peace overwhelm us right now. May we sense the emptiness of every counterfeit that Satan has offered. If there's someone here today that is struggling with addiction it's your crutch and it's become your vice and you're no longer holding it but it's holding you in the power of Jesus name I want to challenge you drop it right now in the spirit in your heart and in your mind say God I'm letting it go and I'm clinging to the peace that only Christ can give Father, for those that are bound by stress and worry and anxiety. Father, today let your peace, like a river, just come flowing into their heart, into their life. Right now. Just receive his peace. Just tell him, say, God, I receive it. God, I'm not striving for it. You've already purchased it. It's the good news of the gospel, God. I receive it today. I receive your peace. I receive your grace today. I want to ask you all over this room, would you stand with me at the close of this service? I want to lead you in praying another verse from God's Word. This is how we, this is how we get our feet ready. This is how we get our stance the Bible says in Romans chapter 5 in verse 1 therefore since we have been justified through faith we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ I want to ask you to say this out loud with me today and even though we're saying we I want you to make this personal come on let's say it together therefore since we have been justified through faith We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, there's not a work you can do to be in right standing with God. All you need to do is call on Jesus. The Bible says we're justified through faith by simply putting your faith in Him. Now at the conclusion of this service, as I mentioned earlier, we're going to open these altars for prayer. People are coming to pray for you just to agree with you. Maybe today something struck a chord in your heart. Maybe you've battled against the the enemy who wants to denounce your identity in Christ. Maybe you've been struggling with the destroyer who wants to destroy the plan and purpose of God for you. Perhaps maybe you're here today and you don't even have a relationship with Jesus. This is your moment. I'm going to pray a prayer right now. A prayer of God's blessing and favor on your life. And I want to invite you To come to this altar and to let somebody agree with you in prayer. These altars are open. Maybe you're here today and you just want somebody to pray a prayer of faith. That God would heal you. That God would meet a need in your life. We want you to know these altars are open. While I pray this prayer, I want to invite you to come. Holy Spirit, thank you so much that you equip us for the battle. Thank you that today, God, you're giving us words and promises and assurances that we're going to need tomorrow. Because you go before us. Thank you, God, that no one has to leave this place today doubting their identity in Christ. Thank you, God, that no one has to leave this place today searching to find peace or wholeness or contentment. Jesus, you've been exalted. You've been lifted up today as the way, the truth, and the life. So God, I pray that each and every one of us would draw near to you. As we sang earlier, God, draw me nearer. Lord, not just for those that are far from you. Lord, for those that are walking with you. God, this week, would you draw us even closer than we've ever been before. Draw us near to your heart today, God. And Lord, as we go out from this house, we recognize there is a real struggle. There is a real warfare that's going on. God, may we armor ourselves with the belt of truth buckled around our waist and with the breastplate of righteousness protecting our heart. God, with our shoes of the readiness of the gospel of peace. God, I thank you today for equipping us to wage a good warfare. We give you praise for it, God. We give you thanks in Jesus' precious name. Amen. 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 God bless you today. Thank you for being in God's house with us.